full of fragments took ye up. They say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. So church, the point that Jesus was making here is, listen, I have provided for thousands of people with hardly anything before. And if I, if I could feed 9,000 plus people on two separate occasions with next to nothing, then, then tell me, can I not provide for the 13 of you? <laughs> That's what he's getting at here. And in this rebuke, in this series of questions, we learn really two crucial lessons that Christ wanted the disciples to learn and something that really two things that we need to learn as well. First, as Christ is reminding them of these miraculous feedings, uh, Jesus was letting them know, listen, I have everything that you need. There's no need to search for food elsewhere. He was telling them, you do not need to worry about finding food somewhere else. You don't have to bother spending your time thinking about, where am I going to get our bread? Where is my next meal going to come from? I am here for you, and I can provide. And, and look, this isn't something new, by the way. This is something that God did even for the Israelites. Remember how, how manna fell from heaven. Just as Christ did that before, he would do so for them. And church, this is not just a, a lesson for the disciples to learn. This is a lesson for all of us here to learn as well. Hey, listen, did you know that in Christ you can have everything that you possibly need? Everything. And we find this to be true with the disciples. But we find this to be true in, of course, a man named David. You know, David, he was a man that had many times where he was in despair. He had many times where he was in the cave. He had times where uh, things did not seem to be going very well for him. But guess what? He realized that his greatest needs could be met in God. Let's go to Psalm chapter 16 and see a great example of this. Psalm 16. I want to read several verses here, but I'll start here with verse 5. In Psalm 16... Verse 5, this is what David, David has to say. And I hope this is your prayer this morning. It says in verse 5, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. And we're going to see in a moment here that David would soon express the good gifts that he's received from, from God. But don't miss this. What he is saying in verse 5 as he says that, he is saying in short, Lord... You are all that I need. Amen. You are everything. Right. You have everything that I need. And then he gives us a satisfaction that he finds in God. Look at verse 7. And we'll read down to verse 11 here. It says, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is a fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. So David says, hey, I have everything I need in you, God. And then he goes ahead and he tells us what he has in the Lord. He says to God, hey, you have given me counsel. You have given me guidance. 
You have instructed me on what to do. You are ever before me and you are always with me. He says, you have given me rest. You have provided me with hope. You have delivered my soul from hell. You have provided me with salvation. You have given me your never-ending presence and you're never going to leave me. You're never going to forsake me. You have given me the fullness of joy in your never-ending presence. He says, there is great pleasure for those that dwell in your presence. And he says with all of this, he's really giving us a great picture. And he's saying, Lord, what more could I ask for? You have given me everything that I need. Hey, Christian, do you know what? You have what David had. In Christ, you have what you need. Regardless of what's going on in your life this morning, in Christ, you have exactly what you need. You have all of that. He has what you need. And I'll say this, first and foremost, if you're here this morning, you're not, you have not trusted on Christ as your Savior, I want you to know that you have what you need in Christ. First and foremost, you have available to you salvation. You have available to you forgiveness from God. Now just, just think about this for a moment. Here you are, you were born, and as you know, really from birth, you're, you're born a sinner. You are, you are born separated from the Lord. And here you are, standing before a holy and perfect God who can have no part in sin. And you're separated from God. You are, you are, you are doomed to have eternal separation. Because we have a holy God that can have no part in sin. And that's, that's a scary thing when you think about it. But thank God, He did not leave us there. Thank the Lord, as I've already mentioned earlier, He sent Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, born of a virgin, who came to earth, and He lived a perfect and sinless life, which is something that none of us here could ever do. He died on the cross for our sins. He shed His blood for the remission of our sins. He satisfied the wrath of God because the wrath of God was all poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. And now, He says to all of you here that have never trusted on Him, call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. Hey, listen, if you would just trust on Christ this morning, you can have all that you need. First and foremost, you can have eternity with Christ. You can have forgiveness from God. Man, what a, what a great Savior that we have. So if you're here this morning, you've not trusted on Christ, do that today. Trust on Jesus Christ as your Savior. Stop relying on any work or, or being a good person because all of our righteousness is filthy rags. But guess what? The work of Christ on the cross is enough. It's enough. But not only is Christ all that we need for eternal salvation, thank God, as we saw from David, He is all that we need to carry on in the Christian life. He's all that we need. I want you to think about this this morning. Do you, like David, go to Christ for what you need? When you feel like you just can't carry on, what do you do? Do you go to Christ? When you feel like you've got nothing left to give, when you feel like you're without hope, or when you feel that you're very weary and you're burdened and you, you just don't know what to do next, what do you do? Do you go to Christ? Unfortunately, a lot of people, they'll, they'll search for another way. They'll do what the disciples did. They will reason among themselves 
How do I fix my problem? How do I make myself feel better? How do I uh, get past this? They try to seek help from the world or they try to gain satisfaction from ungodly sources. But instead, church, we need to go to Christ. Because what we need can be found in Him. You know, I, I, I find that often we are like the disciples. You know, they, you remember one of the first times that they, when Jesus was feeding the thousands. Well, let's just go there, Mark chapter 6. It talks about how the disciples, they, Jesus wanted to feed the thousands. And again, instead of looking to Christ, <laughs> they, they thought to themselves and they, and they spoke and they, they were relying on the world. Look at verse 37 of, of Mark chapter 6. And this is, again, so often us. And this is, uh, this is the first feeding, which is the 5,000. Look what he says in verse 37. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. So Jesus says, Hey, go feed these 5,000 plus people. Okay, let's, let's just feed these people. They're hungry. And then what do they say? They say unto them, unto him, Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? In other words, Jesus, are we going to go and take the very little money that we have to the marketplace and go buy food for all these people? What were they doing? They were relying on the world's resources. They were relying on what they had and what they could give. And uh, church, we are so often like the disciples where we are searching to find fulfillment and searching for what we need from the world instead of searching for what we need from Christ. Think about this this morning. What on earth are we doing pursuing pleasures of this world for satisfaction when Christ is there and he's waiting to give us satisfaction in him? What are, what are we doing? And by the way, I'm saying that to myself, what, what are we doing? What on earth are we doing searching for peace in a temporary thrill or in financial stability or in an earthly relationship? What are we doing seeking rest in sinful entertainment or, or, or hobbies when Christ is right there offering us rest for our weary souls? What are we doing seeking happiness in frivolous endeavors or in trying to build a name for ourselves or in pursuing riches when Christ is there offering us the fullness of joy in Him? Amen. You know, Charles Spurgeon truthfully said that we must find joy in Christ or we will find no joy at all. Amen. Church, we have all that we need in Christ, but here's the thing, we need to go to Him for it. Right. Do you go to Him for it? Right. Now here's something that we need to understand and it will help us. If we keep this in mind, everything that the world has to offer us will cause us to come up empty. But what Christ has to offer us will fill us. And when we seek satisfaction in the world or in anything outside of Christ, we are always going to be looking for more. And there's a great example of this found in Ecclesiastes. If you would go back there to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And this speaks to this truth very well. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And if you've been at church on Sunday nights, uh, you know this You know this very well already, but it's worth repeating, I think. Uh, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2. This is Solomon. You remember Solomon? He had everything he could ever ask for. Physically, there was probably nobody ever uh, that had more wealth than him. He, would have, he had everything that a, let's just say this, he had everything that a lost person would ever want. All the women, all the riches, all the stuff, all the toys, he had everything that he could ever ask for. And look at what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We'll look at uh, verse 3, 
And we'll read down to verse 11. He says, I sought with my, in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good. For the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. And look what he says, I made me great works. I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I made gardens and orchards and planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water there with the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle. Above all that were in Jerusalem before me, I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers, and the delights of the sons of men, as musical instruments, and that of all sorts. So I was great, and I increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes did desire, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was a portion of all my labor. So let's just stop right there. He says, I had everything. I had silver, I had gold, I had women, I had houses, I had servants, I had you, you, you name it, I have it. I have everything. So let's just, let's just consider this. With all that stuff, surely he must have had joy. Surely he must have been happy. Surely he must have had fulfillment, right? Wrong. Look at verse 11. He says, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and what's the stop? Did he find what he needed? Did he find fulfillment? Did he was he was he happy? No. What did he find? And behold, all was vanity. What's that mean? All was empty. And vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. So here we have Solomon. Had literally everything you could ever ask for physically, and he was still empty. He was still vexed in his spirit. He saw his life as pointless. He says, I have everything, and yet I'm feeling as if I have nothing. And you know what? I, I think it's probably safe to say that some of you are, are like Solomon this morning. Maybe you're here, you're in pursuit of happiness, you're in pursuit of satisfaction, and you're coming up empty, so what must you do? What you must do is stop pursuing those desires and run to Jesus Christ. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And look at verse 13. Go a few pages and see what he has to say. In verse 13 here of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he says, Let us hear the whole conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. What do we see here? Thank God at the end of his book, at the end of his life, Solomon had come to realize that true satisfaction comes only from God. There is no true satisfaction in pleasures, in pursuits, or in sin. Only in God. So stop chasing after satisfaction in the world and run to Christ. In John 14, Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whosoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. So Christ, in Mark chapter 8, He is expressing to these disciples... Listen, I am all that you need. He's expressing to them, I am all that you need. And church, he is all that we need today. And thank God that's true. But he was also expressing the truth to them that he took care of them before and he's able to do it again. 
Again, going back to Mark chapter 8, what did he say? He said, don't you remember when I fed the 5,000? How many baskets do you have left? 12. Well, what about when I fed the 4,000? How many baskets do you have left then? 7. In other words, I provided for you before. I will provide for you again. Mm -hmm. Why are you talking about bread? Who cares if there's one loaf left? I am going to take care of you. And I know that we are so often just like them, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, do we not fail to realize that God has come through for us countless times in the past? Don't, don't we fail to remember that we can trust Christ to come through for us as he has before? But you know, we learn in this dialogue with the disciples and Jesus that it was not a lack of remembering. You know, maybe, you know, maybe we would say, well, you know, it must have slipped their mind that Jesus, that Jesus provided for this amount of times and, and he provided for them when he fed the 5,000, he provided for them for the, when he uh, fed the 4,000. But that was not the reason, uh, that was not the issue. Their mind was not going from them at a young age. It was, was not so much that they had forgotten. Uh, we learn uh, that the reason that they really forgot God's capability to provide was actually a lack of faith. And we know that it was a hardened heart, but it also was a lack of faith. And Matthew's account shows us that. If you would, go to Matthew's account in Matthew 16, and we'll see this to be true. And this is where we get help. Okay, This is, this is really where we get the practical application this will help us uh, better trust in the provision of God and, and, and believe the fact that we have what we need. Look at Matthew chapter 16, look at verse 5. It says here, And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Again, we know they had one loaf. And then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And then what, what they do in verse 7, they reason among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And then look what Jesus says in verse 8. He says, And when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith. Why reason ye among yourselves? Because ye have brought no bread. And so Matthew here, he gives us an extra detail that Mark did not. Jesus said, O ye of little faith. So the, the reason that the disciples were even concerned at all about their lack of bread was because they lacked faith. Though they had seen Christ performed unexplainable, unexplainable miracles in the past, they still lacked faith. So this shows us that in order to better trust in the provision of God, we need to have a growing faith in God and a growing faith in His Word. We need to make sure that we take God at His Word. Hey, listen, we need to make sure that if, if God says something, that we believe that it is true. Now, now, you remember that Jesus told his disciples before that he would provide for their needs. Do you remember that? I mean, he said it several times. In Mark chapter 6, you remember when he sent them out two by two. You remember that? He said, listen, don't bring any food with you. Don't bring any extra stuff. Why? Because I am going to provide for your needs. You remember on, uh, I think it was Matthew chapter 6, when he preached a sermon on the mount, he told the people listening, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Why? Because Christ would provide for their needs. And here in Matthew chapter 16, he said, Oh, you of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? Because you have no bread. You know, church, if the disciples would understand, uh, if the disciples rather would have faith in God that he could and would provide for them, they never would have worried about a lack of bread in the first place. 
Had they had taken Jesus at his word, they would have had a settled heart knowing that he would provide. It was a lack of faith in God and what he had promised them that caused the disciples to have times of wavering and times of uncertainty and times of doubt such as this. It was a lack of faith that caused the disciples to worry about whether or not they were going to have bread again while they were standing before the God that owns the cattle upon a thousand hills. And likewise, when we as God's people today, when we lack faith in God, and we lack faith in what He has said in His Word, we, like the disciples, will also waver. We will be up, and then we'll be down. We will fear. We will have doubt. We will be anxious. We will lack peace. But in contrast... When we have faith in God, when our faith is growing, when we are believing what God has said, it is then that we can remain steadfast. It is then that we can have no fear. It is then that we can live each day with a settled heart. It is then that the problems will come in our life, and and it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, the problems will absolutely come. But when the problems come, if you have a growing faith, it is then that you can remember His faithfulness. It is then you can remember that He knows best. A growing faith will cancel out fear, and it will remember His faithfulness. We know that the Bible says that God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Faith will give us a settled mind. Faith will help us remain steadfast. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, it says, By faith ye stand. By faith you will remain steadfast. So, so let's just stop for a moment and think. How do we grow our faith? How do we grow our faith? Well, here's the thing. It's up to us to live by faith. And it's up to us to allow our faith to grow. It's up to us to approach the word of God by faith. Hey, you know it's up, to, it's up to you to grow in faith at this church. As long as, again, as I mentioned last week, as long as the Word of God is being preached, then we have the capability of growing in our faith. So, how do we grow in our faith? Well, one way that you can grow in your faith is show up to church. Then you might say, well, you're preaching the choir, I'm here. Yep, keep coming. Be faithful to church. The more that you hear the Word of God, the more you're going to grow in your faith. Well, how do you know that? Well, what's the Bible say? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So come to church. Come here Sunday morning. Come here for Sunday school. Come here for Sunday night. Come here for Wednesday night. Come to church and grow and learn. The more that you hear the Word of God, the more you're going to grow in your faith. But not only that, another way to do it, of course, is just to commit to just reading your Bible. Hey, listen, some of you guys haven't read your Bible in weeks. You want to be a changed person? You want to grow in your faith? You want to have God change your life? Take the next week and read this every day and your life will change. Read it. Study it. Learn it. Then your your life's going to change. You don't believe me? Again, just take a week and try it. See what happens. Come back to me and and tell me the results. If you're saved, you read the Word of God, He's going to grow your faith. So get... Just dig into the Word of God. Get plugged into the church. Your faith's going to grow. See what happens to your faith. Again, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But the disciples at this time, in Mark chapter 8, 
They did not hold to the word of God with faith. They did not hold to Christ's words with faith, and their faith was small. And an unsettled heart was the result. And church, if we approach the word of God with faith, and we're growing in our faith, it's then our doubts are going to be settled. It is then that God can work in our lives. It is then that we can please Him. Because without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It is then that we can rely on Him. It is then uh, that, that we will continue to grow in faith. And it is then that we can put all things in God's hands and not have any fear. I, uh, I saw this video one time. You know, every, every once in a while, they, ha- they have a good thing on the internet, right? Every once in a while. And it was a while ago, I, I saw this video. And it, was just, it seemed like it might have been just like by an old farmer or something. It's an old, old country boy. And, and he said something that was so true. And I thought it would relate well to this today. And I just want you to know that I'm, I wasn't smart enough to come up with this. That's why I'm giving this guy credit. I don't know his name. But this was the illustration. This is what he said. He said, a basketball in my hands is worth about $25. But a basketball in LeBron James' hands is worth about $75 million. And he made the point to say that it all depends on whose hands the ball is in. And then he said, a tennis rack in my hand is worth about $75. But a tennis rack in Venus Williams' hand, which is was one of the greatest tennis players in the world, is about $50 million. It all depends on whose hands it's in. said, a, sing, a slingshot in a, a kid's, or a slingshot in my hand is a kid's toy, but a slingshot in David's hand is a mighty weapon. It all depends on whose hands it's in. And he said, two loaves of bread, or two fish and five loaves of bread in my hands is a meal, but two fish and five loaves of bread in Jesus' hands fed 5,000 people. It all depends on whose hands it's in. Nails in my hands could produce a birdhouse. But nails in Jesus' hands bring salvation to the whole world. But it depends on whose hands it's in. And he said all that to say this. We can put our concerns and our worries and our fears and our hopes and our family and our relationships in God's hands. And we can trust Him. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know maybe what you may be struggling with. It could be, and I think it's probably safe to say that many of you are seeking satisfaction outside of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're worried about what is to come. Maybe your, your, your peace is up and it's down and it's dependent on your life circumstances. Or maybe your heart is aching uh, due to situations that are beyond your control. Or maybe you're fretting over whether or not God will come through for you in your time of need. Maybe you're fearful and you're wavering and you're up and you're down and you're, you're lacking trust in the Lord. But know this, Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. So church this morning, won't you put everything just in God's hands? Won't you t- just have the faith to believe that he will provide, to believe that he will come through, that he will take care of you? Won't you just turn to Christ and find what you need? need in him. You know, God has never given you one reason to doubt him, has he? I mean, think about that. Has he ever given you one reason to think that he would fail you? Do you ever think that he has given you a reason to doubt his faithfulness? If he's not done it up to this point, then tell me, will he fail you now? Of course not. We know that the Bible tells us his faithfulness is unto all generations. So this morning, I want to encourage you, really, it's time to stop trying to figure things out on your own like the disciples did, and just give it all to Christ. Stop trying to find fulfillment from worldly things and start getting it from Jesus Christ. 
Have faith in God. Take the time uh, to trust Him. And you know, and we're not going to go there for time's sake, but in Mark chapter 8, verse 21, we already read it. But after He asked those questions and, and they answered Him, you know, He said, He said, how is it that you don't understand? How is it that you don't understand my ability? How is it that you don't understand my power? And you know, while the, the disciples failed in this area, I want to just let you know, thank God He did not leave them there in their failure. He didn't leave them there. We're going to soon see that God's grace shined through it all. While the disciples, again, they were spiritually dull. Their hearts were hardened. They lacked faith. Despite all that, Jesus Christ graciously worked with them as that which was dim was slowly but surely coming to light. So though you may be failing in this area of faith, or maybe you're failing... In, in the area of giving your problems to the Lord or trusting Him through uh, all your problems or finding satisfaction in Christ, I want you to know this. Regardless of where you're at, in Jesus' grace, He is extending His hand out to you and He is willing and ready to help you. Amen. He is willing to work with you through this. Amen. Isn't that awesome to know that despite my failures, Despite my, my troubles, Christ is there graciously and willingly wanting to help me through it. Amen. He's willing to help grow our faith. But won't you come to Him? Won't you put everything in His hands and just say to God, Hey, God, everything that I have is Yours. All my problems are Yours. You have it under control. Grow my faith. Help me to trust in You. Give me what I need and lead me and guide me as I trust in You. I am going to make sure that I trust You to meet all my needs because I know that You will take care of me. You can do that this morning. You can know that He will graciously guide you just as He graciously guided the disciples. So I encourage you to let this truth remain in your heart this morning that it is Jesus Christ who is our steadfast anchor. In a world that's gone crazy, Jesus Christ remains steadfast. Amen. He multiplied the bread for thousands in, in Mark chapter 6 and Mark chapter 8, and He stands ready to meet your needs today. So won't you allow Him to grow your faith? Won't you commit to allowing the Lord to grow your faith and allow peace to, to come to your hearts as you anchor yourself in our faithful and unchanging God? Look, in Christ we have everything that we need. But we need to go to Him. We need to go to Him for it. We can trust that He will remain faithful to us until the end as He has time and time and time again. He's not once failed you. And He will not fail you now. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning.